We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi everyone! Welcome back to the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Got my <laughs> caffeine here. Got some iced tea. We're working. We're rocking and we're rolling, folks. I know we're super pessimistic, but we're gonna do this show because we do it every week, and we're here for you all, guys, through the good times and the bad times. Monday, Notre Dame football mailbag. Previously, the Friday free for all mailbag that has been moved to Monday. Thank you all for joining us. That is Brian Driscoll. I am Ryan Roberts here at IrishBreakdown.com. We are here to answer any. And every question in reason that you have for us in today's mailbag, if it's your first time on a mailbag, you could please put a mailbag or an MB in front of the question. It'll help Brian to distinguish between what is just general conversation happening in the chat or a mailbag question that you want answered. You guys can steer us in any direction you want. We can talk about Notre Dame's 31 to 23 loss to Clemson this past weekend. We can talk about the general state of Notre Dame football. We can talk about college football we talk about the nfl you can ask us what our favorite holiday treat is we'll ask her anything for you all because we love you guys out there in ib nation because you guys are still here even when some things aren't going in the best of directions with notre dame football but you guys are always here as we are these are, on a these are the real ones ryan these are the these real are the ones real. right here yes the, the ones, ones that are here on a monday after a tough loss and Yes. And yeah, these are the real ones, you know, so and, and and the real, real ones are like me where they're they're all engaged in this chat. But then they're also, you know, kind of got that side eye going over here in the women's basketball game. Hannah Hidalgo's already doing her thing already. So but uh, man, a lot to talk about today, Ryan. A lot to talk. Yes, about. Sir. It was a wild week in the college football. And it just I guess my big thing is I'm annoyed because I would have loved to have been able to talk about Notre Dame getting a win. In what was an otherwise yeah. wild week, it, like it took away my ability to talk trash to LSU, it took away my ability to talk trash to USC, all of it. Yeah. And uh, but you know, we got a lot of great questions. So why don't we? And I think Raymond Harton's starting us off great, man. Go Irish, beat Wake, absolutely, Ray. But we got about a, we you, got man. a little bit before we're going to jump into the uh, the the talk about Wake Forest. But uh, appreciate your super chat, uh, buddy. Bye, week uh, stink, Raymond. But thank yeah, you for man. being here, sir. Thank yeah. you. Yep. We got AST12321. Thank you so much for the super chat. If you were limited to one change not involving staff or roster that you could have made to help improve the offensive output, what would you try? If I could only do one, 
I think the thing that would be most beneficial to this team, Ryan, would be a, a, an offense that's much more geared around mixing up tempos and being multiple from a tempo standpoint. Like right now, I, I'll acknowledge the fact that right now, Notre Dame is going to, is shorthanded on offense or pass catchers and will be the rest of the season. I mean, you don't have Jaden Thomas, you don't have Mitchell Evans, you're playing a bunch of young players, and and that's all fair. Those are all legitimate things to look at and say, hey, that that's going to somewhat limit just how much you can do it, but but when you say that's like okay well then you can't keep doing what you've been doing all year minus your two quote-unquote top pass catchers right which Jaden thomas was before he got hurt and mitchell evans certainly was before he got hurt and then say but man i'm frustrated that they're not performing better well okay you know that rico has been struggling for weeks to get open on vertical oriented routes Jaden greathouse has proven he's not comfortable right now I think he eventually could be, but right now it's not super comfortable. Also, while battling hamstring injuries, playing outside, so you need to do things to help them out. And if I can only pick one, it comes down to mixing up my twenty-one and twenty personnel more. It would come down to potentially implementing RPOs at a higher degree, or this. And I think this for me, Ryan, would would be most overall beneficial is just being willing to to use tempo more to kind of to kind of protect your offensive line, which is struggling, and also your receiving core, which is you know having a tougher time getting the kind of separation that you're going to need, even though they were open more than the stats show, right? And they're still not getting great separation with any consistency yeah. against good defenses. And so, yeah, that's that would be my answer, right? I'm, I'm very curious to kind of hear what yours would be. That's one that we've talked about a ton, and I agree completely on it. I, I think that this team has just kind of lacked – enthusiasm offensively as a team at some points this year. Like, I mean, there's been times where Notre Dame's offenses look pretty good too, where I'm just like, all right, can we keep the momentum? You want to get moving a little bit? Like let's work this momentum a little bit into our game plan. And it's just been absence. It's been absence. I mean, if I had to make one decision that wasn't just the mixing of tempos into this offense and different paces, I would say, Brian, like the one thing that's been a little frustrating to me is just from a passing game design perspective like you already mentioned it Notre Dame doesn't really have anybody outside right now that you trust that is consistently winning outside vertically like you just don't really have it so guys hey how about we implement some stuff to make it easier for them right maybe some switches maybe some different types of strategies maybe some levels maybe something else to help make it easier on your offense to create those explosive outside I just I don't think there was a great answer to the lack of explosives outside for this team. I think that the, for the most part, the, the plays that have been, the plays that have been explosive in the passing game for the most part this year have been, your guys are just much more talented than their dudes. I'm talking about like central Michigan's of the world, right? Or it's been an after catch situation, right? It's a bias, you know, break something down the sideline, Chris Tyree on a scramble drill. It just hasn't been anything that I'm just like, cause I'm watching every week, Brian, cause I'm like, I watched the LSU Alabama game a little bit on the floor of my daughter's bedroom, by the way. That was fantastic. But I'm watching, I'm like, yes, Malik Neighbors is very talented. Yes, Brian Thomas is very talented. But you know what LSU also does in that offense? They do a lot of switches. They do a lot of stuff where you're crossing face, where guys are kind of getting picked off. They're very creative with how they're getting guys open. I just think the creativity in the passing game has just been something that I've just been watching this year where I'm just like, don't like this, man. Like, if Notre Dame's not winning off of God-given ability to create explosives, I don't think the coaches have really done a great job to 
help them create explosives. Like that's just been something that's been very frustrating to me. Very frustrating. Ryan, Ryan, you nailed it. You don't yep. have the talent that LSU has at receiver. You don't have the talent Florida State has at receiver. So why are you asking your guys to be one-on-one winners? And right. this is something that was true last year and in previous years. And in the years you had a Chase Claypool, a Will Fuller, a Miles Boykin, you could you could get away with that. But then years when you didn't have that, you're like, oh, the receivers suck. Oh, okay, let, even if we grant that premise, even more reason to not be doing be what you're doing right, right now. Right, right. And and that's the thing that frustrates me, right? Because because you're absolutely right. LSU staff is doing a really nice job offensively of doing things to design guys, to get guys open. We talked about this with Sarkeesian in 2020 when yep. he had Devontae Smith. He still did a lot. I mean, he could have literally just lined up Devontae Smith at one spot and said, cover him. And most guy, teams yeah. wouldn't have been able to do it. But they they didn't just rely on that. They said, we're going to move him around. I mean, I remember there was one game – I think it might have been the SEC title game, Ryan. Where by the by the middle of the second quarter, I had uh, it was wild breaking it down. I had seen him line up in number one to the boundary, number one to the field, number two to the boundary, number two to the field, number three to the field. Like I had literally seen him line up by. In a, it took a quarter and a half before Alabama cycled him through every potential position that they could put him in. And sometimes it was using him as a decoy. Sometimes it was using you know trying to get him clear, and they were able to do things to get him wide open. Like I remember, yep. what was the one touchdown pass they had against Florida? They ran like a, like a a, a post route, and then like a crosser, like a high over, and then he kind of came on an over underneath. And it's like, how do you let that get get wide open? Because you schemed them up. That's why. Yeah. And and Notre Dame's just running stuff where it's like, okay, guys, go in, and right. and they're just not able to do just, consistently enough. Because like I talked in the show yesterday, like to, to, Tobias Merriweather was getting open at times yesterday, but he's not getting open like all the time. Sure. You know what I mean? And it's like, there's three, four balls that should have come his way. But when you, you know, but, but it's like, imagine if that was happening and you were doing other things to, to bring him on, on certain, like when was the last time we saw Notre Dame run a vertical clear with an in breaking out by an in breaking route by number one, when was the last time you saw Notre Dame do that? Right. I, 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 I can't. So it's like know, that, 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 that's something that why, why are we not seeing this? Right. I mean, right. So it, it's very frustrating, Ryan. And and we could point to seven or eight or nine things that we could talk to, and which makes it harder to say one. And that's kind of the frustrating thing because we can discuss the town of the receivers and the offensive line and, and Pat Coogan's not that good or Rocco's not that good. And those are all fair conversations to have. But my point is, is if that's true, it, it's even more it's even more frustrating that you're doing what you're doing. That's Coach's job is to put players in positions to make plays and make it easier on them, right? I mean, why, I, I'm just struggling to, to understand why I'm watching some schools that, admittedly, your wide receivers are better than Notre Dame's right now. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. But also, it's not just winning off of just pure talents at LSU. Like, they are – Mike Denbrock and that staff are doing some really good things yeah. to make things easy for Malik Neighbors. Like, I saw him catch a wide-open touchdown – this past weekend, it wasn't because he was so much better than the defense. It's because they confused the defense and got him a wide open ball down the field. I'm just like, right. made it easy for him. Make it easy. Right. Right. Yeah, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, we're on the same page. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The holiday season is upon us, which makes my schedule a lot busier, and I know it does yours too. And that can make it a lot harder to make healthy meals at home. And that's why Angela and I are happy we found Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. Factor can help you fuel up for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. I'll be honest, we were skeptical when we first tried Factor, but it took one meal each and we were sold. Once I got done looking through all their different options, we decided to jump on board because there are so many tasty options. We use Factor for dinners, but they also have great options for breakfast and lunch, and their Gourmet Plus options are outstanding. That's why I'm excited to have Factor partnering with Irish Breakdown. So head to factormeals.com irish50 and use code irish50 to get 50% off. That's code irish50 at factormeals.com forward slash irish to get 50% off your purchase today. We had Aiden Banami. Excuse me, with the super chat. Do you think not having a true strength coach during the season affected the players' play in a noticeable way? I think so. And, and, and I'll say it this way, Ryan. Even if you don't think that it made a difference physically, let's just say, like, guys, at the end of the day, Matt Bayless had already kind of created the end-season game plan, and they're kind of carrying it out. You know, we've talked about this, Ryan, and 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 I don't know if you had experiences like this in your conversations with Notre Dame players or not, or even players from other teams who who had strength coaches they liked. But I, I remember being at pro at the uh, not the pro day, but the combine a few years ago, and just listening to the Notre Dame players talking about Matt Bayless and yep. the job he did. And it wasn't so much that they could necessarily point to, well, what exactly is he doing that you like so much? It was they just trusted him implicitly. And I even remember one time talking to a dad who's like, yeah, my kid's, you know, dealing with some kind of physical thing, but coach Bayless said this. And so he's just going to, he's just going to keep, keep doing it. And lo and behold, coach Bayless was right. The guy worked through the lower body thing. And all of a sudden, you know, by November he was rocking and rolling, even though he kind of felt like, dude, I'm, I'm in fall camp and I'm already kind of feeling like I'm, I'm worn out. There just was an implicit trust there. And, and, and I don't think that's there. I, I think that, that at least mentally, there's not that same trust in what they're doing. And, yeah. and then you look at practically speaking, you know, they're, they're, they haven't gotten stronger as the season wore on as, which was almost always the case under Matt Bayless. They've had a lot of those strength conditioning injuries. And what I mean by that are a good strength conditioning program. You're not going to have a ton of hamstring and quad injuries, right? That's just usually something you don't see a ton of. You're talking about over half the receiving core has has missed practices this year in in a, a chunk of missed games because of hamstring injuries, not not landing on your shoulder, 
not spraining an ankle, not getting a knee rolled up on, not like the Avery Davis just knee popping out. I mean, on the field, I mean, there's not there's nothing you can do about that. It's quad injuries, it's hamstring injuries, it's stuff like that, and you know that that makes me question a little bit. But yeah, the things that you normally expect to see from a a well coached football team, the run game getting progressively worse, the muscle, you know, the type of muscle injuries. Yeah, I, I think not having a true a, a true strength coach has certainly affected Notre Dame this season. I, I think the recovery is the biggest thing that would lead me to saying yes. I mean, you already hit on it, but when you're having those types of just kind of it's it's the the hamstring especially is one where it's just like that's a maintenance issue right like there's a issue every single day and from a recovery perspective probably i mean why is jane thomas supposedly back and then it's just a just keeps hamstring no pun intended but it keeps hamstringing him the rest of the season right where it's like even when you do have those types of injuries it's up to the strength conditioning staff to get them back to the level that you need them to get them back to. And those injuries have also just kind of, and I know hamstrings not a perfect example because hamstrings can linger. Like that's kind of a tricky thing, especially for wide receivers, but it's the strength and conditioning coach's job to get them back. You know, the maintenance, the repair, the, the, the rehabilitation side of things to getting players back. So yeah, I think it's had its issues. I think it's definitely had its issues. I, I have no idea what they're going to do there with obviously with Fred Hale in the interim, but I'm very curious to see what just happens next with that strength program after the season. I mean, everybody's talking about, Oh, you need to fire this guy, that guy. I mean, that, that, that's the most important decision Marcus Freeman will make this season. It won't be, does he fire the offensive coordinator or not, or the online coach or not, or who replaces Al Golden if he goes to the NFL or any other conversation we're having about coaches though that though, it's not to say that those aren't important but there is nothing more important than than making that higher because that's one we know he's going to have to make this offseason that's the one spot that's there's, open there's also a mental side to the strength coaching thing where if a player feels like they're being prepared well and they feel strong they play better right especially mm-hmm. for college kids i mean we're talking about eight kids that are 18 to 24 years old now with the covid thing where if those kids feel confident, they usually play better. I mean, that's just, you know, that's kind of an injection of positivity and confidence into you. So, yeah, I think it, it matters. It definitely matters, especially on the mental side of things, on top of the physical side of things. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. We had another one from Aiden Banami. Thank you so much. Why do people keep saying get Steve Angeli reps, but most of us think Kenny Minchie will beat him next year? In my opinion, play Kenny Minchie. Much more than Angeli. Time to look forward, uh, Ryan. I can understand this sentiment, but I I don't know that I can get on board with it because clearly, right now, the coaching staff has felt that Steve Angeli is more prepared to go lead this team should Sam Hartman go down. That's why he's the backup quarterback. Now, is Kenny coming along? Yes, he is. You know, talked to another source last night that said he's still building, right? But he's not there yet. He's got a he's he's got a less than a year than Steve has in the system, and right now they feel. Right. If Sam goes down, Steve's that guy, and so I'm I'm all for it. So I, I I you know Steve doesn't deserve the opportunity to play. He's earned it, in my opinion. And and, and this is coming from someone who who's not a believer in Steve Angeli as a starting quarterback at Notre Dame. But the fact of the matter is, he's earned it. He's earned it in, on on the practice yep. field, you know, for for just learning the system. But then also when he has gotten his opportunities, he's made the most of them. So I understand why people feel that way. And, and there's some Notre Dame fans that still think he's a starting caliber quarterback at Notre Dame. And I, I, I don't, but, but 
give him a shot to see if he is or not. If anything, if Sam's not playing, I'd say play both of them. That's what I would yeah. do. As I say, play both yeah. of them. But as of right now, Sam Hartman's still your starting quarterback. And that 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 my focus, Ryan, is going to be on the next two games of how can you get Sam Hartman to finish off on a strong note because they the the team needs that. I mean, that that's that's the thing. The team needs that moving forward. Well, the Kenny Minchie thing is a little bit of an interesting conversation, too, because he's played what two games now so far in his career. So you have two games left of regular season and then a bowl game. So if you're if you're Thought process is purely Kenny's your guy from here on out from the last three games. That means that you burn his red shirt, though. That means that mm-hmm. you would burn the four games that he's allowed to play. And I would rather not do that still, especially this far into a season. I would rather maintain that red shirt. So, I mean, would I want him to see a, a two games potentially of Kenny Minchie down the stretch and play the full four? Yeah, absolutely. I would 100% like to see that. But I, I'm not willing to burn his red shirt and just say, like, it's Kenny time the last three games of the season because that's just – Think that's ill use of a potential red shirt in my opinion. can i can i ask a follow-up ryan are you yeah. saying like kenny time like as far as like part of a rotation or are you saying you wouldn't want to see them say kenny you're the dude you're the starting quarterback the next three games the last three games like, of the season like it's just kenny is because because i i think that you need to be i think you need to be careful with like if if you even started Kenny one game, I'd be cool with that if you've like made that decision down the stretch. But I don't want to see him play all three games and just be the guy all three games because then that's burning the red shirt, right? Like I, I want to maintain that red shirt and still get him some experience. So so you think there's with a... Steve, he's a red shirt, he's a red shirt freshman. Like you're not maintaining eligibility anymore. Right. Like he's going right. to have less eligibility. It just is what it is. So so well, just one more follow-up because I'm just I'm thinking through this, right? I mean, because there's a lot yeah. that goes into this because I'm back and forth on on how I feel about your answer. Like I I'm not disagreeing or agreeing. I'm like I think there's pros and cons to both. One is sure. if you decide Kenny's your guy, you play him last three games, you're getting him ready for next year. And that means you anticipate him being a you know, three-year starter, and then he's done. The flip side is what you're saying is, but if, you know, you could also have a scenario where you you play him the final two games, he's still red shirts, and then he can start for four years. You know, right. so That's so that that, that would be the yeah. conversation. My, my thing is, is what, what do you think the odds would be that he would be a four-year starter and stay through four years at Notre Dame? I mean, I mean, even I mean, Notre Dame's great. Like, yeah. let's say he's the yeah. guy – Right. And this is a this isn't a setup question, Ryan. This is a genuine. No, like, no, I'm, I'm no. curious to get your opinion. I don't know the answer to yeah. that, honestly. Well, Notre Dame's offense has been to a level over the last couple of years where, like, I am not counting on Kenny Mitchie being a That's three year and done guy. I'm not counting on that. Fair. I think it's much more likely Fair. he's a four year player and he continues Fair. to play after this, right? So I'm there for maintaining the red shirt because Fair. until Notre Dame's offense gives me optimism that, like, he can be a three and done, I'm not worried about him being a three and done. I'm not worried that's, about that. That's an interesting take, Ryan. Let, well, let me ask yeah. you this Let because this is a fun conversation. Because, again, I don't know that there's a right or wrong answer. I, you know, and, and I don't. I, I kind of tend to lead towards you because I don't know. He's six one and a half. You know, he's not. He doesn't have, you know, like Trevor Lawrence's arm strength or you know sure. Joe Justin Fields' athleticism or you know those guys' size or whatever. So there's a chance he could be a four year starter. I mean, it, it's not a given. He's so. I mean, I'm, I'm fair. I'm I'm good with that. I mean, I I understand where you're coming I, from. I just that. want the option it, on the table is I, kind I of get it I yeah I'm, I'm with you let me ask you this just a sort of yep. a little caveat a fun little caveat if you mm-hmm. knew if I looked in the future and I said Ryan the next three years Notre Dame is going to make changes one two three four five six seven that you and yeah. I know would you would you feel better then or is it just like you no matter what you still want the like 
is is the the offense the deal breaker for you but you're already leaning right towards that anyway yeah i mean right now it is because i think i'm a i'm a victim to what i've seen right like i keep saying in my mind of oh you know i think it could get better i think it could better right. but like what, what proof do i have that it's going to get you're any a prisoner better? of the moment proof to that. that's yeah. fair if, if, yeah, if you could tell me without a doubt like you went into the future and your crystal right. ball is out or whatever that like hey they're going to score 40 points per game the next two years. They're going to be a really good offense. That might change the equation, sure. but that's. But even then you said yeah. might. <laughs> might. You know, because yeah. I, I think that that's my thing is looking at from the NFL draft standpoint. I, I don't know that he's going to have those measurables that even with all that production are going to make people say top 15 pick. Right. You know, I mean, because like, yeah. the thing is, the reason I think that you strengthen the quarterback room so much just in general, like I was even thinking about this the other day. I'm just like, yeah, 2025, you're going to have. Kenny, CJ Carr, and, and Deuce Knight in the in the building, right in the same room, and like guys, I hate to break this to you, I think all three of those guys could be the guy at Notre Dame could be really good, but the odds are is that one or two of those guys are not going to be the guy at Notre Dame more than right. likely. Like the odds say that that not all three of those guys are going to become what we envision that they could be at Notre Dame. That's what the odds tell you. So in that regard, like even if Kenny. So, like, even if you get Kenny experience down the road or this season going into next year, is that a like is it a foregone conclusion that CJ Carr doesn't come in and is just like, dude, CJ's better than Kenny? Like, I, I don't know. Right. Like, it, there's just so many variables right. that I think are going to come into play that I just want to maintain that red shirt just in case, right? Like, I want to go into next year of Kenny Minch, has four years on the table, CJ Carr has four years on the table, and let's let this thing ride and see what happens. I would even, I'd even be willing to consider doing, let's just say Sam's out, right? Because again, we're not calling for Sam to be benched. I'm not calling for that, Ryan. I don't think you're calling for that either, correct? Let's just say, come to find out, Sam has an injury we don't know about and he's got to shut it down, right? And yep. and it's the yep. right thing to do, just for argument's sake. Uh, I would be okay kind of doing what Michigan did early last year, which is give Cade McNamara the first start. And then give JJ the second start and see who plays the best. See who see who the offense responds to the best kind of thing. And then have that guy start the bowl game. Because then if if you do that that way, Ryan, and, and Kenny plays the second game, even if he starts the bowl game, that's only four games. So he could still have his red shirt. I mean, so if you're going to do something, I just feel like Kenny, Steve Angeli, and, and, and this is coming, I mean, these are two guys right here that are Kenny Minchie guys, as far as, I yes. mean, if you look at who's on the roster right now, we both think Kenny Minchie can be a dude. We both had him as a top hundred quarterback. I also don't think that, I also believe, Ryan, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that that we're both not guys that necessarily think Steve Angeli is that guy, that he's more no, of a, I, a good I, backup I, than he is a starter. I think if Steve Angeli's a starter, it could be solid, but I always think that you could okay. feel like you could do better okay. at that position. So we're, That's kind of how we're I on the it. same page, yeah. right? Yeah. There'll be leadership and, you know, hand the ball off and, and, you know, so we're on the same page, but still, even with that in mind, Steve has earned that opportunity. If it, sure. if it were to come in my opinion, yep. I just, I've said, if Sam's not a, an option, I just think both of them should play. It shouldn't be one or the other. In my opinion. And, and even in this scenario, if you just say like Sam can't play and Steve's going to get the reins the end of the season, 
that shouldn't mean that going into this offseason, that's not an open competition. I don't think it will be that mm-hmm. situation, but like it better not be that situation. <laughs> like, even if yes. Steve goes out but, and balls the last three, it's like, dude, it's still an open competition in the offseason. Like, it's still right. got to be open. Still and that's my, that's my fear, Ryan, of making that move is I feel like the staff would do that. I think they would take the, hey, look, Steve played. He didn't turn the ball over. You know, let's just, let's just trust the older guy who's not going to make more mistakes. Kenny's more of a, right of a risk you know we haven't seen as much of him and 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 i just think this well, this coaching staff right now mainly because of the head football coach is very risk averse if i'm using that i believe i'm using that correctly uh when it comes um, to the offense that's just yeah you know yes so, I someone am using asked, that correctly. someone asked me yesterday or today i can't remember what it was it was just a friend that had asked me about like what changes i think notre dame will make offensively and Honestly, Brian, the only changes that I think they're going to make, and I know we'll talk about more of this tomorrow as far as like what we hope that we'll, they'll make, right? But the only differences I think they'll make is that I think, and this is just my opinion, that a coaching staff that is very conservative and very risk-adverse, to your point, will look at this game this past weekend and be like, what can't we do based upon that or what need, do we need to do? And they're going to look at the two turnovers that they threw, the two interceptions that they threw, and be like, can't do that. That was a killer. That was theirs to be winning a football game. And my answer would be, sure, in in practice, but like also that wasn't the biggest issue on Saturday. It wasn't right. the biggest issue. But they're going to look at that and be like, you know what? We need to be more risk-adverse. We need to make sure that we don't turn the football over. So what's that mean? Probably run right. the football more. Probably just save the scrimmage more. Yeah, safe safe throws. throws, right? And that's not going to fix anything because that is going to win the last two games against Wake Forest and Stanford because they're not great football teams. But ultimately, when we're talking about this type of game again next year, right? Well, Texas A&M is who Notre Dame opens with on uh, in the first game of the season next year. Do you think playing this? brand of football is going to consistently beat those types of teams. I don't. I don't think it's going to consistently win those type of teams. Will it beat them mm-hmm. sometimes? Yes. It will beat them sometimes. Right. Will it beat them all the time? No. I don't think right. it will. I don't think it's sustainable in today's game. Don't think it's sustainable. Well, I want to bring up this, Ryan, because I have been infuriated by some of the responses I've seen from Notre Dame fans about this. Stephen Martin says, Brian, that's why I said on Twitter that a matchup with LSU would be a loss. I have zero faith in this offense. Guys, are are we just going to ignore the fact that nine days ago we watched this team score 58 points against a team that has a significantly better defense than than LSU? Are we going to ignore that? defense is terrible, man. Yes. Are, are we going to – like Alabama had scored 40 points on one team all year. That was Middle Tennessee, who has one of the worst defenses in college football at the group of five level. Listen, Notre Dame's offense has struggled against really good defenses. That's it. This is not an offense that struggles against Stanford 2022. This is not an offense that struggles against Marshall 2022. That's not who this team is. This team has struggled against Ohio State, Duke, Louisville, and Clemson. Four top 40 defenses. When they're not playing a top 40 defense, they dominate. That's the frustrating thing, Ryan. That's what annoys me. Yeah. And let me let me make one other thing clear. They played another top 40 defense because they've played five this year, and they hung up 45 on them and had almost 500 yards of offense. That's NC State, right? So, But that's the anomaly against top defenses. LSU's defense 
there's no other way of saying it, Ryan. It's it sucks. It's terrible. It's bad. Yeah. And it's really bad, game, badly coordinated too. It's really yes. bad. I don't know if you saw this, but like I was watching this game, like I said, and they are using Harold Perkins, who's one of the best we- attacking weapons in college football, as an overhang in this football game against Alabama. You are just taking him out of the play. What are you doing? I don't understand the Matt. I didn't understand the Matt House love before the season. And I certainly don't understand the Matt House love if there is any left, man. That has been a dumb. We're talking about misusing talent. Matt House has misused talent, man. Because I look at that LSU defense, I'm like, hey, there's still talent there, right? I mean, like Harold Perkins is a dude. The interior defensive line has a lot of guys on it, and yet you are just like, we're going to be this terrible. Isn't a, like, let's, this isn't yeah. a vintage defense uh, talent-wise for LSU. That 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 I don't think that's what you're saying, but it's 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 not this. It should definitely not be this. There's still a swarm of NFL right? players. Right. Mason Smith right. and Harold Perkins is probably going to be a top 15 pick next year. And you got Makai Wingo, who's a really good player. Like there's still talent on that defense, and for whatever reason they right. are using but, misusing guys. They're misusing right. talent. But the facts of the ma- the facts are this, guys. You can be in your feelings however you want about Notre Dame against Clemson, and you can be in your feelings however you want about Notre Dame's inability to play well against good defenses. And I'm and I'm with you on those. But what we can't do is this overly dramatic, ignore what's happened all year and just respond emotionally. LSU also lost this weekend. Notre Dame's not the only team that lost this weekend. LSU got got beat by Alabama. Alabama's a good football team. They're not a very good offense. And and they haven't been all year. Somebody somebody said in another chat, you know, yeah, but they they seem to be getting better. No they're not. In the three games coming into the into the game against um LSU Ryan, they were averaging 25 offensive points per game. They had scored 26 points against Texas A&M. Two of those were on a safety. They scored 24 points against Arkansas. They scored 34 points as a team against Tennessee, but one of those was a fumble return for a touchdown. They had in it go from from beginning with Texas to you know, so after Middle Tennessee before LSU, they had scored over 30 offensive points once, once, and that was against the Mississippi State defense. It's also not very good, right? So, and that team just went for 42 yards, 42 points against LSU, had a season high 7.4 yards per play in a season high of 507 total yards. Prior to that, their two highest games of the year, Ryan, were 431 against Middle Tennessee and 415 against Arkansas. And if you haven't been paying attention to this year, Arkansas's defense isn't very good. It's not terrible, but it's not good. And, And so Alabama's defense offense is much worse than Notre Dame's in every metric. They they rushed for 23 yards against Texas A&M in a win. Their offense isn't nearly as good as Notre Dame's. They they they've had three games now of over 400 yards of offense. That's it. Notre Dame is averaging over 400 yards of offense. So we can be in our feelings about this what we saw Saturday. But anyone saying they're going to get blown up by LSU Anything can happen in the game, right? But if you're going to go off of what you've seen, right, there's zero evidence that Notre Dame's offense would struggle against LSU. Zero. Zero. Do you know why? Because no one's offense struggles against LSU. And teams with a lot worse offenses than Notre Dame have moved the ball and scored on LSU. That's a fact. You know? So unless Notre Dame decides to start running the triple option like Army, they, they got a pretty good chance of scoring on LSU. 
That's just the reality of it. And it, it's just, this is just not a, with a, and Stephen, please don't take this as, a, as disrespect, but that's just not a rational um, view to have. It's an emotional one. And, and, and I'm okay with the emotional part, but you have no data or experience. We're just going to ignore the fact that Notre Dame scored 106 points in the two previous games and be upset that they played bad against Clemson. I, I just, that that's just not rational to me. I'm sorry. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Tyler Evans with the super chat. What did you think of the Alex Grinch firing yesterday? Um, I mean, it's been deserved for like four years, but I mean, sure, let's do it yesterday. I mean, it's sure. Tyler. I mean, I, I've talked about Alex Grinch. Alex Grinch would not have been my defensive coordinator definitely coming into this season. I I guess it took a 52 spot from Washington and multiple games. Now it seems seemingly in a row where you – I mean, literally, guys, they gave up 49 points to Cal the week before, and Cal is not a good offense. That's way worse than giving up 52 to Washington. Yes. Way. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Washington's a really good offense. Giving that up to, to Cal, though, you had to score a 50 spot against Cal to win the football game. If you didn't have your offense, you would have gotten murdered against Cal. Like, it was just really, really bad. So mm-hmm. is it deserved that he's out? Yeah, it's been deserved for a while. I mean, Alex Grinch is a guy that is just not a good defensive coordinator at the level that he's been at. I mean, going from Oklahoma to now USC, like that guy doesn't deserve to be a defensive coordinator at two of the blue blood programs in college football. Like he doesn't deserve to be there. It's just, I feel like it's a little bit of a, you know, you're playing poorly. And I think that this was the move that was going to kind of take some of the attention off. I'm very interested because there's been a lot of talk about Lincoln Riley to the NFL, potentially this off season. I'm interested to see if this is a kind of an indicator that he might be coming back because maybe he actually cares a little bit about his coaching staff now a little bit. I I don't know. I, I'm not making sense of it for the long term, but the short term is the guy should have been fired a long time ago. And I guess it took two really bad performances in a row where, you know, yeah, it's just he's a he's not a good defensive coordinator, guys. He didn't no. deserve to have his job in the first place. So No, I, I want to. I, I I never enjoy a guy getting fired unless he's a bad guy. And I have no, I don't know Alex Grinch. I don't know if he's a good guy, bad guy or anything. I just, I feel like the the results warranted him no longer being the defensive coordinator. I think doing so with two games left is just petty and silly and just adds to the drama that has been USC season. I, I, I think you were trying to take some of the like bad light off of you a little bit and be like, oh, defense is the problem. Take, get him out of here. Yeah, type of thing. Right. Like, okay, right. Okay. And, okay. Uh, you know, I mean, up until the fumble at the end of the game, 
Washington's defense had held USC to 14 points in the second, no, 10 points in the second half, right? USC they had were held up Washington? At, yeah, USC had held Washington to 10 points okay. in the second half okay. prior to the fumble by Caleb Williams late in the game because it was 35-28 at halftime, right? Yep. And then it was 45-42 when Caleb fumbled that ball. And then they punched it in on a short field. So I uh, hate to break it to you, but uh, second half of that game, your offense was the problem, not your defense. But here's yeah. the thing. It doesn't matter who he's going to hire. The problem at the end of the day is still about Lincoln Riley and the way that he runs a program. And you're, you're always going to struggle putting a good defense on the field the way that he coaches. So unless he changes, and I'd see it, no evidence that he will, it, it, you're just going to replace a bad defensive coordinator with another bad defensive coordinator, even if that guy's not necessarily bad where he's at now. And I don't know anyone in college football, I don't, that's a really good defensive coordinator, proven defensive coordinator that would want to coach with that. It would have to be a young, a young up and comer that might be like right. the a really good defensive mind. It would have to be that kind of guy, I think. Right. You're definitely not getting like a you're definitely not getting a, a really good like veteran defensive. Like you're not getting a Phil Parker coming to USC. Like he's that's not the, the type of guy that you're gonna be able to get. Yeah. Hey, just wanted to uh, give a quick note. Somebody had asked about um, Notre Dame struggled against Louisville as kind of like a, but that's a counterpoint. Uh, just want to point out this just because I know not everybody's like watching Louisville every week, right? Louisville actually right now ranks 13th in the country in scoring defense. They're actually slightly ahead of Notre Dame and they rank 12th nationally in total defense yards allowed. They're, defense. they're only, they're only giving up 285.2 yards per game. And they're only giving up 4.77 yards per play, which ranks them 17th. So Louisville actually is a, has had a very good defense this year, Ryan. And yeah. you and I have talked a lot about their corners going into the game and since. So, uh, again, a, a very good defense. They're a, they're a, the worst defense that Notre Dame has beat up was NC State's. That's the worst defense that Notre Dame has beat up of the, of the top defenses that we talked about. They rank 35th in college football in scoring defense. And again, part of that is because of Notre Dame. Notre Dame. They rank 40th in college football in uh, in yards allowed uh, per play, uh, and then they are 32nd in total offense or total defense. So that's that's the other top 40 defense that they've played this yeah. season. And uh, obviously, Duke is in there. Ohio State's fifth, Clemson's sixth uh, in score in total defense. I think Duke is 28. They've fallen a little bit because of the struggles of, of late, but still they're only giving up 329 yards per game. So <clears throat> five, they've actually played five teams, Ryan, that rank 32nd or higher in total defense. The, again, does not excuse how Notre Dame played at all. That's not the point. It's not to justify how Notre Dame played because Notre Dame went two and three against those five teams, Ryan, and was a fourth and 16 fail, not converting on a fourth and 16 from being one and four against those teams and the defense isn't why you lost those games my point is simply to say LSU is not that and that's my point Notre Dame we've got to have a long hard talk about how Notre Dame can start doing better against those type of teams long hard talk about it my whole point is but let's not act like Notre Dame is just struggling all the time and they don't even struggle against all the good defenses they've played and I say this about Ohio State they still move the ball up down the field against Ohio State they just couldn't yeah. put, put put points on the board. Four, two, four, two fourth down uh, failures. You had a missed field goal. And, you know, I mean, you you move the ball on them, to me, in a way that that shows you, you're, you're capable of doing that. And Ohio State has a elite defense this season. I mean, they have been outstanding on defense this season. And so, you know, 
that that's that's where my and, and still to this date, Ryan, Notre Dame is still the team that has the highest yards per play average against against Ohio State. And and it wasn't until Rutgers went for 361 this past weekend that a team topped them in total yards. Up until Rutgers went for 361, nobody had had more yards against Ohio State than Notre Dame. That's not to yeah. brag. It's just to say that even within context, Notre Dame's offense still did better against them than anybody else did. That That's the point. Still not good enough. That's not okay. It's not acceptable. That's not like a, hey, we lost, but we lost better than anybody else did. It's just context of when you see that, could Notre Dame lose to LSU in a bowl game? Of course they could. Yeah, but this this notion that our offense always sucks and they blew they couldn't move the ball in LSU and we'd get smacked by LSU. If Notre Dame lost to LSU, it'd be like forty two to thirty five, forty two to thirty eight, something well, like that. Also, if you're playing LSU in the bowl game at this point, is Jaden Daniels going to play? Is Malik, Malik Neighbors. Neighbors going to play? Is Brian Thomas Jr. going to play? Like I don't I don't is know. Mason if Smith going to play? Right. Right. It's possible. I mean, yeah. So I, I think that you also need to understand that, like, because I think there's a question at some point that was asked before the mailbag started of, like, what players in Notre Dame aren't going to play in the bowl game, if you know, when they get there. And I think that that conversation, again, if we're talking about the hypothetical between LSU, it's like some of their best players aren't going to play either, man. <laughs> like, it's just the situation you're going to be in. So, by the way, Jim Knowles has been a godsend for. Oh, Ohio State this year. Absolutely. And and Ryan, you and I said this when they hired him. It's going to take a year. It's going to take time to get. Why did we think that? Because that's been the case everywhere he's ever been. It takes time to learn that defense. But once they figured it out, it's going to be fun to watch. It's a great defensive mind. Great defensive mind. Con Tomer. Tom Connor. What's up, man? uh, Thank you so much for the super chat. You don't know how hard it is to listen today. I love the talent they're bringing in, and I truly have faith that Marcus Freeman will get it done. I, hope, I, hope I love right, it. Sir. I love some optimism. Right. I, I'm still confident. Yeah. Look, here's the thing for me, Ryan. I think Marcus Freeman has a lot of the tools needed to be a very successful coach, one that can win. That's talent true. acquisition is not going to be a problem. But there are certain things that he's going to have to show that he can alter his stance on. And every great coach, everyone – has had at some point in time in his career, sometimes early, sometimes late, to say, I need to rethink how I'm doing this and how we're going about doing yep. this. And that's where Coach Freeman is because you always have these ideas. Well, when I run my own business, I'm going to do this. There are mm-hmm. things that I believed I was going to do when I started my own business that I quickly learned, like, yeah, that's probably not going to work that way. I'm going to have to alter, change, you know, to do things a little bit differently. And um, I never would have dreamed I would be doing this every single day, right? But look, things happen. You you be open-minded to change, and you look at what's working, what's not working, and it's same for football coach. It's same for anything. It's same, I would assume, for being a parent. You know, hey, when I have a kid, I'm going to I'm gonna be this way. And then you realize, like, yeah, that's not going to work. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. in anything you do, if you desire to be great at it, you always have to be willing to say the results aren't what they are, and I need to be. I need to look in the mirror and say, is it my philosophy? Is it my plan? Is it what I thought was going to work, just not going to work? And we need to figure out what it is. I've said this before. Mac Brown is not a Hall of Fame coach if he doesn't decide around 2003 to change the offense and go from a pro-style 21 personnel team to a spread running team. He's not a Hall of Famer if he if he does if he doesn't do that. He doesn't have a national championship. Doesn't play for another if he doesn't do that. He doesn't have Vince Young if he doesn't do that. And it took that, hey, I got to look in the mirror and say, I'm tired of getting my butt kicked by Oklahoma. What can we do to be to be better? 
And he said, this is what we need to do. And they made that change. And that's what he's going to have to, that's what Marcus Freeman is going to have to do. And I, and I think if he can, if he can be willing to do that, I have, I have no doubt that Marcus Freeman can win at Notre Dame at a very high level. There's no doubt. The only, the only thing I can promise you, Tom, is that whether it happens or not with Coach Freeman or what the next step is, Notre Dame will have a lot of talent on that roster. That's all I can that's all I can promise you. They will have a lot of talent on the yeah. roster. Hopefully they're able to use it correctly. Aiden Benami, another one. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Why do people think Al Golden might leave when he left the NFL already and doesn't like to recruit all the time? So we hear he said Notre Dame, Marcus Freeman are special. Well, those two things can still be true, and he can still have career aspirations that are beyond that. I mean, I, I absolutely loved working at Muhlenberg College. Loved it. Had a great deal. I love the kids. I mean, it's my one of my probably my favorite group of kids was that 2002 Muhlenberg team. Really liked living in Allentown, Ryan. You know me. I'm a small town guy. I don't. I don't really like being in the. I've lived in big cities before. Don't like it. It's not fits. Love the head coach, but a, an opportunity came along that said, for my aspirations of what I want to do as a football coach, I needed to take the Duquesne job. Had zero desire to live in Pittsburgh. None. <laughs> hey, you know, like it just there was a lot of things, but it was like, but this is a move I need to make because this is what's going to better my career, and. Yeah there are aspirations that he has now if, if al golden decides you know what i, I want to be a college head football coach then then he'll stay at notre dame until that opportunity comes but i don't know that that's necessarily what his career goals and just everyone that i every source that i've ever had has said that that's kind of his plan is always to kind of get back to the nfl and he didn't leave the nfl as a d coordinator to come to notre dame and be a d coordinator he left the nfl coach. as a position coach right exactly linebackers coach and then came back to notre dame to be a defensive coordinator, something he had not done in yep. 20 years. Now he has that experience. Now he has on tape, he can say, look what I did at Notre Dame. Look what we did schematically. Look how we stopped the top pass offense. I mean, it, Al Golden has been a phenomenal pass defense defensive coordinator. Phenomenal. I mean, Clemson barely got to 100 yards this Saturday. Louisville, yep. who's one of the top pass offenses in college football, had 145 yards. Duke, or USC, is an elite offense throwing the football they didn't get to 200 yards in that game and so you're talking about a guy ryan that has shown i mean drake may struggled against their name last year spencer rattler struggled against their name last year tanner mckee struggled against their name. jaron hall i think is starting in the nfl right now right isn't he as a rookie didn't he mm-hmm. he didn't start this no. last week was i thought they, the quarterback um, they, tra- they traded they traded for josh dobbs before gotcha the, uh, yeah yeah so he was a backup quarterback in the nfl as a rookie yeah and he struggled mightily against Notre Dame last year. Like Al Golden's going to have quite the resume for a, a passing league to show like, hey, look what I can do. He's gone against Lincoln Riley, Ryan Day, and shut their pass games down. So, um, and every time we hear about NFL jobs being coming open, who are the two coaches that are in the top three or four that always get mentioned? Ryan Day and Lincoln Riley. Yeah. And and he was able to go shut them down. So yeah. I just think that's he, ultimately um, what his career aspirations are, is to, is to yeah. be at that level. And as the Cincinnati Bengals linebacker coach, he was a little bit blocked from maybe having a promotion in that because they have one of the best defensive coordinators in all of the NFL right, right now. I, I forget to get lose something. I forget his last name, but yeah, he's a search the name. defensive coordinator. So and, and is he? And I don't believe isn't he a little older? So the odds of him like kind of getting that NFL head coaching job like he it doesn't seem like he's a guy that's necessarily they they've been talking about it this past offseason his name was mentioned people are saying again he might get a shot this offseason but we'll see i mean i have no idea if he's going to get a serious or serious interest i guess but he's had some interest i think he's had a couple interviews for nfl head coaching jobs so we'll see we had zach uh zach 32 
Thank you so much, Zach. How can Freeman not question his offensive philosophy after everything that has happened? Uh, we don't know that he has or hasn't. Right. I mean, we're, we're assuming oh. things. Zach, all we can do is hope, man. Like, I hope that Coach Freeman, and whether it happens this bye week or it happens after the season, whenever it happens, I hope when you take a step back and you say, I don't know if we can function like that all the time. I just don't know if that's tra- I don't know if that's translatable. I don't know if that's sustainable for the college level. I just don't think it is anymore. There was a time where Coach Freeman's philosophy offensively would have worked. It would have worked really, like really well. When he well. was at Ohio State as a player. That's it where it comes yeah. from. Trestle ball, right. I mean, like it would have worked and it did work. Today's game, I just don't think it works. Is it is it is it possible that it's cyclical and eventually goes back that way? Sure. But as a head coach, though, you need to be evolutionary with your thought process to how you win football games. You mentioned Nick Saban. Like Nick Saban has changed his philosophy a couple different a times offensively right. at this point. So yeah, you have to be able to be you have to be able to be. I don't say ex- experimental, but you have to be able to be evolutionary with ha- your I think mindset you said of the how right you word, evolve. Ryan. Evolutionary yeah. is the is the right way. You have to be evolutionary. Now that doesn't mean that you just are always following the whim. Sometimes you are ahead of the curve, but it's about doing things in a way that it's like you know what, like this is what I think I need to do to recruit to this level. Because I I think you could win with an offense like Notre Dame runs now if you have elite talent across the board and the uh, no no one has that like lsu 2019 you know maybe you could do it that way maybe but even that team had a couple games where they had to scrap scrap and battle to win those football games and if you're not running a better offense those games might the difference might be you know you don't score 45 against texas and loss you to lose you don't score 23 against auburn and lose right i mean and and now you're just lincoln riley you know what i mean so i just it just requires it's such a it, it requires such a level of eliteness and perfection that I just don't know. To your point, Ryan, if you like yeah. what I meant is you can win that way is is in theory you can win yeah. that way if sure. you're but but you just it's it's what's not practical is b- building an offense that's or a team that's that loaded to where you if, can win that way. T- if winning Alabama, titles wise. Right. If Alabama wins a similar brand, I know they're different as far as like the quarterback run stuff they do or whatever, but like philosophy, I think they're kind of similar in the sense of like, let's run the football, let's be ball control and and that type of thing. So if Alabama wins a a championship this year, that's still not a formula that I wouldn't want Notre Dame to emulate right now. It's still not one because I don't think that it's sustainable as of today right now with where you are as a program. I just don't think it's sustainable. I think that Notre Dame functionally in this offense that they're running can be a very good offense, be a championship level offense. I agree with you there. I think there's some stuff in the passing game that you need to get a little bit more creative with. And I think ultimately you need to change your philosophy though. I'm not asking to change the scheme. I'm asking to change the philosophy with how you want to play football. I think that that is incorrect offensively right now with where you are today. Yes, you want to be able to run the football. Yes, you want to win the time of possession battle. Sure, every offense wants to do that, but you don't do it in the slow-paced, snail-like manner that you are trying to play offensive football right now. I don't think you play that way anymore. Don't. Agree. And that's coming from a defensive guy that hates offense. But yeah, anyway. I didn't Benami, man, you are emptied the pockets today. Thank you so much, sir. Tulips in the winter, big-time points. Where Brian? Wait, say big time points there, Brian. 
Gotcha. Yeah. So, so Angela sent me pictures earlier of the tulips. This, these are what they look like. So, um, those are the ones I got her and I got them from books.com. I'm telling you fellas, if you want to get on your lady's good side and you can afford it, I'd have to look at what those prices is. It's like maybe like 50 bucks a month, but they deliver them to your house and they come like they're, they haven't budded yet. So like they're really fresh. And then like, they didn't start blooming until like day two. So they just last a lot longer. It's not like they've been in the store for like three days, four days already bloomed, you know, and then, you know, your shelf life is shorter. I'm telling you guys, B O U Q S.com. I mean, it's, it's been great. Cause she like, not every wife likes flowers. Mine does. Mine really does. And so, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a great, it's been a great, I heard about it on a podcast that I listened to. And it's it was one of the sponsors, and I was like, let me check that out. So I I got her, my mom, and my mother in law flowers. I think it was for like Mother's Day or something like that. So I used them for that, and they all arrived on time. Or they, they package them great, like it's awesome. And they're not a sponsor of mine. I'm just this is from husband to husband, right? I mean that's 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 where where I'm coming from. It's a it's a, if you, if you're someone who whose wife really likes that, it's a it's a good resource to to use i always love when you get a couple cool things on podcasts like that stuff like i want to try i started listening to the kelsey's podcast um and i they've been talking about this energy drink that i want to try just because they keep talking about it i remember the first time i ever heard about built bar was listening to a podcast as well and then i actually found out that built bar is really good so that's cool i'm gonna keep eating built bars (laughs) yeah yep absolutely so ryan right now my mouse is not like Streamyard is not letting me click so nice. i'm gonna have to let's do it man. try to figure out what's going on it's not it might not be a Streamyard thing it might just be my mouse so if you can just pull up the next okay. one and i'll try to figure this out okay let's do it man let's do it i think we had a super chat that just actually we had a couple super chats let's go to this one i guess next if it would pop okay. up that'd be yeah, great I'm, oh I'm, no no we already, we already did the zach one i got yeah, you i'm back now you. yeah i'm back okay. now Oh, I clicked it off. I clicked it off. That it's was okay. My fault. It's Our good men with a super chat. Thank you so much. Brian and Ryan, do you believe that Marcus Freeman has the ability to look within and make changes necessary for Notre Dame to be a national ch- contender? I have no idea. I hope so. Well, I, I th- oh, Man, I don't know, man. I don't the first know. Part, I, I, the first part we can say yes to, Ryan, as far as being able to look within and make changes. Like if you ended it sure, there, sure. I would say yes, because we've already seen him do that. The question, right. however, is, Ryan, is he willing to look at himself, recognize the problem, and then will his changes work? That we know in some areas. Like, I think he did that last year defensively. I think he had a big hand in the defense. Like, Notre Dame made some changes after the Stanford game defensively that made them play a lot better down the stretch. And then they went away from that against USC, didn't work, and then they've kind of been that team all year this year. I think Marcus Freeman had a big role in that. That's his wheelhouse. And, yeah. and not, this isn't to take any credit away from Al Gold. Now, Al Gold's done a great job. But, I mean, Marcus Rooms, head coach, he is directing things the way that he wants it. So I think he made those changes. He made some changes about how they are going to prepare and do things last year, and it resulted in them being much better down the stretch. But right. will he be able to, to, to do those to a level that gets them to play championship football? That part I don't know. I'm hopeful. I, I, but I think I that know. I think Marcus Rooms will always adapt defensively to play championship-level football. Offensively, I have no idea. I have no idea. I think there is functionally an issue with this offensive approach right now. Will Marcus Freeman be able to look within inside himself and say, nope, we're not doing that anymore and and adopting a different offensive philosophy? I don't know. We'll see. Defensively, though, I think we're on the same page as like, I I 
think he'll figure that out. Like he always has. So, yeah. The frustrating thing, Ryan, is that we see the offense do things against teams that aren't that good. Where it's like, if you just would have been as aggressive against Clemson as you were against Pitt, we're having a different conversation now. If you would have been as aggressive against, you know, uh, you know, Louisville as you were against Pitt or North Carolina State or Central Michigan or Tennessee State or Navy, we're having a different conversation now. That's what frustrates me. It's it's you get into these big games, you get these big moments, and you just kind of pucker up a little bit, and that's my frustration. And and you can say, well, it's a Jared Parker thing. Maybe. Maybe it is. I, I don't know. All I know is it was also an issue last year when Jared Parker was just the tight ends coach. That, that, that That's the reality. And so, you know, we're going to have to find out. I'm, I'll just say, like, you, Neil, I'm hopeful that that's, that's where it's out. We had another super chat from Let MGR1. Thank you so it's much for Let the super Manager chat. One. Let manager one. I think it's yeah, because I didn't know what it was at first either. And he he had uh, at one okay. point in time reached out and said that to me. And the question is, can you break down and thank you for the super chat by the way? Can you break down how a quarterback's cadence works? What depends. I mean, everybody has a different cadence. Um, some teams don't have any cadence. I don't think USC uses any kind of cadence, aren't they just all clapped? Just a clap. Yeah, yeah. most teams just so do the- a, ca- a clap now, yeah. They, they change from, structurally speaking, the ones that you'll hear most common, like in the NFL, this is all you're going to hear is down. And then you'll hear a color and then you'll, black 10, black 10, say it, huh? that'll be kind of right. what your cadence is on that. College base, I've heard more, and I think this is more like a kind of a spread thing is that they'll just say down, say it, huh? Huh? Yeah. and then they'll go on whatever yeah. hut they want to go on. But now, like you said, there's a lot of teams that are just, clap or silent count type of teams right. so it really does depend on what your well, philosophy is and just how you work it and, and those colors and numbers and then you know if you're if you're someone who adds other stuff you have to have other dummy calls like you may say you know black 10 ranger black 10 ranger you know uh set hut those things all mean something uh or or could mean something you have yeah. dummy calls which is just hey this is just part of our cadence but then there's certain things that are trigger words right like so if, if we use if we use any color that starts with an R or, uh, yeah. uh, I don't know, like, you know, something like that, or, you know, let's say a B, right. So, you know, you're, you're usually like, uh, you know, red tent. What was it? What was Peyton Manning's thing? Um, black what 10. was his, black 10. Was, was, was he a black 10 guy? Black 10, black I don't 10. know. I can't remember. Uh, John Elway was like, uh, red 88, red 88. That was John Elway's. Okay. That's fine. And then you'll say green, whatever but then there's like a color that's like okay this means something so then you say you know you know green you know uh 35 green 35 you just audible to 35 or whatever that 35 you know yeah. so like when i was a kid in high school it'd be like okay we just checked to you know mid zone to the left you know that right. kind of thing or and we'd have well, you remember- know, dummy words yeah. that like you know we, we would use like cities they would signify yeah. if we if we if we check like you know red fifty five you know Houston we're right. sliding our protection at the left and we're running all hitches yep. right but you can't really do that anymore in college because number one they're not going to hear you outside you're not going to hear the cadence anymore no. and you know so that's why everything has gone to signals and things like that because the cadence was less effective for a lot of reasons you know and and so it's just easier to have everybody look over and have this it signaled in and everybody kind of rocking and rolling. It's kind of yeah how it goes I remember. 
I, I remember Peyton was notorious for just yelling Omaha all the time. But yeah. people that I remember he talked about it afterwards, and that just always meant that it's on one. It's on one. Yeah. That's what Omaha means. So that actually yeah. wasn't a part of his cadence, though. He would just be like, Omaha, Omaha. Say, huh. yeah. And then it would just be on one hut. So 